What's up, guys? It is Coach Callie V, and yep, it's another softball podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be sharing with you in my 23 years of coaching and counting experience, team culture and how it goes beyond the athletes on the team. Are you ready to get into the grid of this? Let's go. All right, how is everyone doing? I hope that wherever you are listening to this, driving in your car, maybe playing catch on the field, maybe you are cleaning up the clubhouse, I don't know, whatever you're doing as a coach. Maybe you're working the other job that you do to pay the bills. Whatever it is, I want to make sure you're doing right. Coaches, I'm here as another coach just saying, hey, I'm here to support you. So if you have any questions or concerns about things that maybe you are facing as a coach, especially right now with everything post kind of still in the middle of COVID, I don't even know how to explain it, but I'm here to help. Please shoot me a message at CallieVSoftball.com or you can always DM me directly at Coach V on Instagram. I'm here to help you. 23 years of coaching, I haven't made it this far for nothing, so Just want to put my hand out there and say, I'm here to help. All right. Well, let's get into this episode today. Team culture. It's kind of touches what I just talked about, like being a coach, wanting to help other coaches. Like that to me raises the bar for my coach culture. I want coaches around me that want to be better. I want to attract coaches to me and my vision that want to learn and want to grow. And I kind of want to keep away all the coaches that think their way is the best way and your way is the highway. I, I have little, little room in my mind to understand the capacity of that type of coach other than the fact that maybe that's just all they know. But I have to argue with that in my heart because how can that be all you know when You as a coach have so many things around you to help you be better, to help you make even more of a positive impact, not only on the athletes that you're coaching in their lives, but also in their family's lives, in the community that you live in. Like you as a coach are a part of such a big picture. So let's get into this. Team culture. It's about more than just the athlete, right? It goes further. So when you hear the word team culture, what comes to your mind? Is it your team culture as the athlete, the team you play with? Maybe it's your team culture as the coach, or is it the team you support as the parent? Parents, I I'm like I can honestly say I have been around team cultures that I personally would rather sit by myself because the negativity that gets stirred and the drama that gets started, like, come on, I come to, well, coach and watch my child because I've literally been coaching her since she was four. So I'm a parent slash coach. But when I go to watch my boys, my husband genuinely does the coaching. I'm there to watch them. 
I don't care about what so-and-so's doing and what so-and-so did and blah, 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 blah. I just don't. So for me, I learned early on to just separate myself in those instances from those type of situations. Now, not everybody perceives it, quote unquote, nicely, but I have to believe in my heart that it's not me being me. Like I'm trying to protect my peace, trying to protect my space, just like I teach my athletes. Like you may have had a bad day with one of your teammates at school, but that doesn't mean that you get the right to bring it to the field. So you have to protect your peace and your joy right? Everybody has to get along for the get along song for a certain amount of time. Now, does this happen all the time, like forever? No. Eventually, if the team culture isn't getting better, you're going to have to find another team as a parent to be a part of, bottom line. And the sad thing is, is not a lot of parents have walked away from teams because of the negative team culture they actually will walk away from a team because the positive team culture is starting to push the negative out. And then in turn, the negative ends up like pointing 10 fingers back at the positive team culture. It's crazy how it works, I know. But literally I am in the bowl of softball, so I see and hear and experience so many things on a weekly, almost daily basis that it's it's kind of tiring to say the least, but I accept where I am in my life as a coach and I always just keep it simple. I have two options. I can let option A like make me hate this and want to never do this again or I can make option B like, okay, this is what happened. This is what you did. This is what you could have done better when this happens again because if you go through a situation and you don't feel like you did it right so to speak or you don't feel like there's closure on your part on how you dealt with it it's going to come back around right and so that's your opportunity to do better so i just keep it simple in my mind like is it so bad that i don't ever want to do this again or is it something that i can do better the next time oh all right so there are numerous amounts of documents and studies I mean, literally, if you go to Google and you type in team culture, it's page after page after page after page, right? It just like so much surrounding the theory of creating a positive team culture. But in this particular podcast episode, I want to speak to the pieces of the team that make a positive team culture. In doing so, I'm also going to be asking some really tough questions. Now, keep in mind, before we get started, I think some of the athletes that listen to this might feel conflicted in such a way that maybe if they identify with being a negative person on the team, please, baby girl, know that your coach is there to help you and your teammates are there to help you be better, right? So if you're listening to this and you feel conflicted in such a way that you're just like, I suck as a teammate, I should just quit playing sports, baby girl, I want you to go have that tough conversation with your coach. Maybe there's something simple that just needs to be fixed. Maybe you need to realize like, yeah, you are a really good hitter, but guess what? You also bring laughter to the team. Like, did you know that? Did you know that about yourself? Oh, you didn't? Yay! That's kind of like your intangible thing. We're going to get into that big word too. 
and I'm going to give props or props are given. Just wait, it's coming. <laughs> so those pieces are the athletes, the parents, and the coach. These are the pieces that are going to contribute to a positive team culture. Let's start with the athlete. First, let's identify what type of athlete you are on your team. A, are you the girl that always shows up? You know, in order to be her best, she has to do the things daily to keep her learning how to be good, but also how to own her failures and truly understand what she is capable of doing. B, maybe you are the girl who can't get past her failures and it takes about four other performers, high performers on your team to lift you up, to get you out of your head, to get you to be present. Or C, hmm, maybe you are just one of the high performers on the team. What is a high performer? We're going to get there. All right. In any sense, you have to be consistent in yourself. Be aware that you are playing a team sport. I know it's a team sport. So you have to be aware like, Something that I love to speak to my athletes from the little level all the way to the collegiate level is, hey, where are we at? On a scale of 100%, where are you at today? Okay, you're at 75. Can you give me 100 of your 75? Sweet. Let's go, right? In order for a team to work well together to build a positive team culture, you have to be willing to show up the best way you can. Not that you know how to. Okay, I know that just shocked you guys because you're like, well, I know that in order to do this, I have to do this. But here's the deal. This is where it gets super tricky. This is where you can start flirting with the idea of, yes, you are a high performer, but now all of a sudden you're a know-it-all performer. Now nobody even wants to sit and eat lunch with you because you just think you're so much better than everyone else that the moment you do get to socialize with your teammates, on and off the field, you low-key bully them. Oh, that's a lot, right? That's a lot. So you need to know what it takes for you to do the best way you know how to, right? Like the best way you know how you can. Can is the key word here. I know if a travel ball team in the past Girls would say, I can't, and we started changing their verbiage to saying, I can't do it yet. I can't hit that yet. I can't bunt yet. I can't run the bases yet. Like, it was never just left with, I can't, okay? So please know, baby girl. Hmm. I know, I keep saying it. But, you know, being a coach for 23 years, every kid that I came across, even the ones that have challenged me, you know, that have really made me question if I want to continue coaching. Parents, you have done this too. But you guys, every single one of you guys, good and bad, have just brought me through things to grow through them, hence growing pains, right? So it's simple. You should always be learning. Athletes, you should always be learning and never allowing yourself to be stuck on one aspect of growth. You can't, like I just said, you can't be stuck on the fact that, yeah, you're the best hitter on the team and you're so good, but now all of a sudden nobody wants to talk to you. That's, that's a lonely place. You know, those quotes where people say, um, 
at the top of success, it's super lonely. That's what they're talking about. When you are truly successful, you should not be lonely, especially when you play a team sport. Personal example. This is my own personal example, and it's about brushing your teeth and cavities. <laughs> okay, so I'm basically gonna go off of what I know here in this moment at the age of 32. If you if you only brush, brush your teeth, excuse me, if you only brush your teeth twice a day and then you start to get cavities, what should you be adding to your dental hygiene? Keep in mind, I'm not a dentist. Just a person who didn't have one cavity in her entire life until she was 32 years old. And then suddenly she, she being me, I had nine cavities all at once. Yep. But all I knew to do in that moment was to brush my teeth. Now, I was told over and over again, well, this is, you should be flossing, you should be mouthwashing, but come on, y'all. When you're a parent and you are in the midst of raising those babies, like if you can just, you know, get a shower in at least once every two days, <laughs> I'm just teasing. But some of you are shaking your heads. Yes, Coach Kelly, I get it. But brushing my teeth was something I knew I could do, but I didn't know I was capable of also flossing my teeth. So speaking from experience here, I had to add flossing daily to my regimen in order to better, right, to improve my dental hygiene. I also had to quit chewing ice. <laughs> that was something that got worse with each child. I was told by the dentist that the crunching of the ice basically compacted the food in the back of my teeth, hence where the cavity started. So could you imagine if I had been told, hey, you got nine cavities, that's it. There was nothing more to help me. I probably wouldn't have any back teeth anymore, right? I wouldn't know to quit chewing ice. I wouldn't know to actually implement. Like, how can I implement flossing my teeth when my hands are consistently busy? Oh, I got it. I'm going to buy the toothpick flosser, guys. And while I'm driving, I'm going to floss my teeth with one hand. I know some of us, we drive with our legs. My kids know I do this, but not when I'm flossing. <laughs> not when I'm flossing. Um, but yeah, it's fun when you take the kids out on a country road and you show them all the fun tricks you did growing up on a farm, right? It's fun, those little moments. So with that being said, as a coach, I'm not just telling you athletes, like identify basically where you failed and be stuck in your failure, right? Identify where I had nine cavities and be stuck in having nine cavities along with having no teeth 10 years later. No, we want to learn. We want to grow. We it's growing pains for a reason. It's going to suck for a little bit, right? Embrace the suck. How many of you guys know that? Yeah. So it's like hitters, pitchers, anyone who plays a sport, you are going to have peaks and valleys, especially when you're a growing athlete. When you hit a growth spurt, you are going to be so wonky. You're not going to be able to see the ball to save your life, but give yourself about eight weeks and all of a sudden, all the magic, everything you ever worked on comes back. What about when you stop growing? It's the same thing. It's peaks and valleys. That's the nature of being an athlete. That's the nature of being a you know, team player. That's the nature of just sports. Can I just put it out there? All right, so now let's bring it back to the softball example. Let's say you are a pitcher and you only pitch on game days and when the coach has you throw a bullpen at practice, which you only practice two days a week, right? Um, do you think by only doing that, you are getting to throw more consistently, let alone actually hit your spots. And let's not forget, specifically in pitching, how to show up in the most 
pressure-filled moment of the game, you cannot they, like you cannot pull that out of your back pocket, right? So if you're a pitcher who is experiencing like severe, traumatic, traumatizing anxiety pressure during a game, you know what? As your coach, as a coach on the outside looking, like, you know what that tells me? You are not practicing on your own outside of team practices. It's as simple as that. How do I know this? I've been coaching for 23 years and counting, and I was a pitcher all the way up to the collegiate level. I literally would practice when I would practice on my own, throwing into the barn. All right, bases are loaded, Callie. The winning run is on third. You have a full count on this batter. You cannot walk her. I mean, if anything, give your defense a chance to make a play, right? It's a team sport. And by all means, do not think that you are going to win this game by yourself. You have to practice that mentality off the game days, off the practice days. You have to do it on your days. All right. I'm going to be able to tell right away. So now there is where you as the athlete have to be willing to do more versus only doing what you know to do in order to grow and be the teammate that you want to play with. Ah, notice how I said, be the teammate that you want to play with. It's not just about being the teammate you want to be. It's always about being the teammate that you want, right? Want to play with, want to make a play with, want to play catch with. How many of you guys have experienced that yet? If you haven't, I cannot wait till you do. All right, so what if you are the athlete on the team that gets in her head, tends to stay there way too long by sucking up the energy, and by the energy, you suck it out of the entire team by living in your own pity party in your head, like there's a celebration of pity going on in your head the whole entire time, there's a game going on, all from an error five innings ago? I know it sounds horrible, but this is what truly happens. What team culture are you building by allowing yourself to do that? A bad one. It's simple as that. It's a bad one. Soon enough, your teammates will low-key start to despise you. And, well, they're not going to want to play with you anymore. This also happens off the field, too. So what can you do to stay out of your head and keep yourself from staying hung up on the error? Insert my good old college days here. Hashtag history. For those of you that have been coached by me or are currently being coached by me, this is a story that I consistently tell you guys. This is how I encourage you guys to stay present. I encourage all of you as a team right now, in order to build the team culture of staying present, to write, and now I put a hashtag on it. Back then, hashtags weren't a thing. But write hashtag history on the top of your cleats. Why the top of your cleats? It's simple. Your head drops when you make an error or you let your team down in any way, let alone yourself and your personal expectations. As your head is down, you will see the word history and you will know in that moment that the play is over. It is simply quote unquote history. All right. By all means, be my guest to live for the next play. Because that next play is waiting to be made versus living in the last play that you failed to make. Why? Want to make a play. It's 
so much more fun if you go out there and you want to make a play versus, oh, I I hope the ball doesn't get hit to me because obviously I suck at fielding today. So, oh, guess what's going to happen again? Oh, the ball's going to go by you again. Do not hesitate. All right, don't. All right, so now I want to speak to the high performers. <laughs> yes, the high performers on the team. Is that you? Well, if you are so boldly, mm-hmm, so boldly to call yourself a high performer on your team, then I want to think, no, <laughs> I've already thought about this. I want you to think about what you bring to the team. I already know what you're bringing to the team as a high performer on my team. I already know what you're bringing to the team, but what do you know that you're bringing to the team? Not the X's and the O's, like, oh, I'm a really good hitter. Oh, I pitch really hard. Oh, I run really fast. Bleh. No, but the intangible thing to the team. Side note here, this is where I said at the beginning I was going to give credit where credit's due. This is a word that one of my fellow coaches in my coaching circle and friend uses a lot, not just on his softball team's culture, but in his businesses on supporting his employees to stand out more. And this is how he teaches them to buy in to being a part of something bigger than themselves. He and his wife implement this like as a husband and wife coaching team down to the T. And I love it. It's beautiful. Whew. Not the fact that you hit your growth spurt before 90%. I forgot to add that one in there. <laughs> Come on. We've all played with those girls that are like five feet taller than all of us just because she hit her growth spurt 90% like quicker than everybody else. Yeah. Like you get it. Okay, that, that is not an intangible at all. I want you to imagine your team without you on it. Like, take you out of the equation. Would they make it? Would they survive? Well, I think anyone, let alone any good team, and by good, I mean a team that grows, a team that already has a good team culture, will figure out how to make a change work in the aspect of losing a great hitter, pitcher, player, etc. The question is, is what is your intangible thing that no one else can repeat, let alone reproduce, which basically mean the same thing. It's the one thing about you that those that know you on and off the field miss about you when you aren't around. So what is that thing that you bring to your team? Do you add fire? Do you add energy or joy to your team? Or do you add a cloud of dread? over them because even as a high performer your attitude is terrible you think you are god's gift to softball and you low-key bully your teammates on and off the field and let's not forget the fact that you can non-verbally get your teammates to pick on each other and to talk terrible at each other as well as the coaches unfortunately in your mind's eye you don't see the negativity that you bring as a high performer to your team's culture because you are hitting the ball, playing the defense, catching great, pitching great, because you are basically at the point playing by yourself, playing for yourself. You have been trained by someone in your life to think that you are the best thing ever in softball. And well, when you play a team sport, it's not about you. It's about the team. Side note again, if 
At any point, you as the athlete felt like you might be adding negatively to your team culture. Please do not allow yourself to stay stuck in that place. I want to give you a high five. High five for allowing yourself to identify where you can be better. This is self-awareness. This is you wanting to be your best teammate for your team. As a coach, I want to encourage you to have that tough conversation with your coach, your teammates, your parents, and let them know you want to be better for them by understanding and implementing the things that you need to do so that you can show up as your best self. Now, I'm going to shock you with this one too. Some of you that are close to me in coaching circles, you may have heard me say this. There is no I in team, but there is a me. You move some letters around. Yep. You are going to get me out of the word team. Especially the most team sport ever that you have ever played. But you have to own your individual greatness. You have to be able to train yourself in order to play as a team. I know it's crazy. It's a crazy concept. So high performers. Again, what is it? What is your intangible? What are you bringing or adding to the team? Again, me. Side note here. I have some amazing coaches in my coaching corner. My current coaches that I coach with, we all are super talented and we have amazing backgrounds. Like it's crazy like the coaching resumes that go alongside with each of our names. With that being said, if I don't step up and own what I'm good at, how am I helping my head coach, which I assist, be a very good head coach? I'm not. So do you understand where the whole me comes out of team? Okay, just wanted to make sure y'all got that. All right, let's speak to the parents. I know this can be a touchy subject at times, but it needs to be addressed. On a personal note, I'd like to recruit parents before I pay attention to how their daughter plays. As a coach of 23 years along in counting, with being a college coach now, I even pay attention to the parents at the 10 to 12 U bubble. This age group right here will define a lot about an athlete's future in the game. There's so much that a 10 to 12 year old female athlete is soaking up right now on and off the field. These are the years that they decide whether or not to continue playing at the next level, which is 14U, then 16U, then 18U, then college level, right? And they will also decide which type of athlete they wanna be, which type of high performer they wanna be. Are they gonna decide to be one that adds or one that subtracts? Some of the things I pay close attention to are the parent's body language. When their daughter isn't performing to her parent's standards, what do the parents look like? Are they A, super calm? Or do they do stuff like they just shut off all communication, like everything? Like maybe they just completely leave the field and go to the parking lot. Or do they lay into them with loud body language? Like standing right at the fence, arms crossed, hips thrusted forward. That's pretty intimidating. That's not very welcoming. Or do they call them like, it's okay, times 10. Hey, I'm all for loving on your babies, but when you see them just blatantly not 
showing up, maybe one or two it's okays, and then let it go? Or do they lay into them verbally, telling them how bad they are, and this and that, and bringing stuff into context that have nothing to do about softball in front of everyone? Here is a new one that some of you have had to really had the opportunity to sit and observe to see this. But I also pay attention to the parents and how they support everyone on the team. This is a team culture. That's why I said I was going to speak to three aspects, the athlete, the coach, and yes, the parents. This right here is how a team culture gets built negatively or positively. How many of you guys have ever been around uh, the parental team culture aspect and you you literally feel like you're in high school again. You're like, why is there so much drama? Like, what is going on? And then you start identifying like all the cool kids. And then you identify like all the kids that want to be the cool kids that will just like anything to the cool kids so they can be a cool kid for like two seconds. Oh my gosh, it's like high school all over again. And last time I checked, I graduated. I mean, did you graduate? Because I know... There's still drama, but you should not be experiencing high school-like drama on your daughter's softball team as a parent. Like, bottom line, it shouldn't be happening. (laughs) Okay? Truth is, if you as a parent can't support your daughter's teammates because you have a personal agenda towards others on her team, then you probably need to quit that team and consider maybe putting her in a single man sport. Like... Maybe quit playing a team sport because if you can't get over your beef with another parent or maybe you feel like so-and-so shouldn't have played that game because your daughter was ready to go in and blah, 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 and you're going to hold a grudge until the day you die, like you should not be a part of anything team culture like bottom line. Here's a new concept though. This is why I talk about these things because it's not just about giving up and quitting. It's about learning to do something new. Better that, better that, even better than that. I can't even talk because I'm so excited. How about you support your daughter, but also support her teammates, regardless of how you feel about somebody's playing time or what so-and-so said about you. Or maybe, here's the thing, maybe you should stop running your mouth so everybody would stop running their mouth about you. Oh my goodness, Becky. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, right? You want to get better, you want to be better, so I wanna challenge you. If you consistently feel like there's so much drama on your team, first identify, are you the cause of the drama? Are you the one that's constantly stirring the pot? Are you the one canoodling? Like, hey, there's another team. We should go practice for the next two weeks and see if we want to leave this team. Or are you like trying to be the junior coach, even though you're not really a coach, but you're sitting there judging everyone's playing time and it always is in comparison of your daughter's playing time or where your daughter's at in the lineup and where so-and-so's daughter's in the lineup. Hey, guess what? Last time I checked, it's not your place. It's not your lane. Stay in your lane unless you're coming out to help. It's that simple. Learn to do something new. Learn what it's like to actually support your daughter as a whole 
in the team that she plays. She plays with other girls, so you're going to have to learn how to support her and her teammates, right? You're not up there to dictate. You're not up there to judge. It's not, it's not your place. You're there to support and be a part of an amazing team culture. Something that would add value to the team culture versus taking away from it. What could you do? Right? What could you, um, And protect your peace. Like, for me, I'm married to a coach. So there have been times on teams where I've had to literally sever myself, separate myself from everyone else, and still go support my husband and support his team. Right? That's how you do it. Protect your peace. Protect your space. But that doesn't mean while you're protecting your peace and your space that you go run in your mouth. Like at some point you have to stop and want to be better, right? I'm encouraging you as a coach, as a parent of an athlete, as a coach parent, as a former athlete myself, do better. Why? Why are you not wanting to do better though? Is it because you refuse to learn anything that you didn't think of? Like, because it wasn't your idea, it's not a good idea? Let alone accept that for once in your life, it isn't about you and it's actually, (laughs) here's a shocker, it's about your daughter, not you. Hey, newsflash, your glory days are over. Look, I said it in my last episode and I'm going to say it again in this one. Please do not write your daughter's story with a broken athlete story. With your broken athlete story. For all of her greatness, she has and has yet to tap into, let alone obtain. And her eagerness that she doesn't even know that she has in her to grow and to learn with her teammates, which she considers friends and sisters, allow herself to be herself. Not the angry version of, of all the what ifs and the if I had only stories that you have kept repeating to yourself in your head. Do not let that story become a part of hers. Please. Side note, if you as a parent are struggling with this, if you just can't find any way to get over what happened to you, maybe what decisions you made, maybe you regret certain decisions that you made, and maybe you wanted to play longer. I don't know. Please get help. Seek advice on this. Because it's not about your story when it comes to your daughter's story. It's about her story. So don't hold everything that was done to you negatively against the people that are trying to build your daughter positively. Please look past your broken story and realize your daughter is currently writing hers. Another thing that I pay pay close attention to when it comes to the parents, the parents that I want and the parents I choose to have as a part of my team culture as a coach is how do they act when their child is doing great? It's not just about how somebody acts when they fail, but especially in a team sport, how are they acting when their child's doing great? Softball is the most individualized team sport ever. So, things I look for. Do they... Do you... <laughs> I'm just teasing. Do they act as if your daughter 
is out there by herself doing it all. Yeah, you have every right to celebrate your child. Heck, in the mind's eye, your child should be the best one out there. This is me looking through your lens. But when it comes to understanding that your daughter plays a team sport, are you accepting to allow yourself to celebrate others on her team that helped her be great? Because, hey, guys, definition of a teammate is owning your position, right? So you can make your teammate look great. That's what all of her teammates did. This is why you cannot be a parent that supports your daughter's team when it is convenient for you or when you have selective liking as to who you like for today versus who you didn't like last weekend or who you think is playing more and needs to play more. Like, stop, it's not your place. I get it. You are an adult and you can do whatever you want. But when it comes down to it, with that responsibility, let me repeat that, with that responsibility, you also need to grow and you need to learn more versus doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So parents, how? How do you support your daughter's team culture? Are you adding to it or are you subtracting from it? All right, coaches, a little coach to coach talk here. And for some, a little coach to parent talk, coach to parent, parent coach talk. <laughs> for all the coaches that parent, parent that coaches, <laughs> I'm talking to you too. How do you create your team culture? Do you have expectations? Expectations are huge for creating a team culture you want. This will allow you to attract the players you want as well as the entire family. We've all, well, I mean, 23 years, I've experienced the sibling factor, right? You get the oldest sibling on and then the youngest one starts coming to practice and before you know it, the whole family's like, we love everything about this. That's the big picture, right? So expectations, an example. When you create them, think of things like no walking on my field, no back talking, not just me, but your teammates, right? No teammate disrespect. This is huge to have with girls. It teaches them to be kind to each other and accept one another on and off the field. How do you allow your high performers to add to the team culture? Do you like literally give them every responsibility in the book? Please don't. Please don't. Okay, notice how I said add and not subtract, okay? Literally, you will create burnout so quick. If you are currently coaching a team with a solid solid core of five players that are low-key bullies, and this happens on and off the field, you may have missed the opportunity to correct this. Doesn't mean it's a lost cause. Nope, not at all. But this just validates the 10 to 12 years of age window. Meaning if you are currently coaching 10 to 12 you players, get a hold of this negativity now. Like the bullying, the back talking, the talking underneath their breath, get a hold of it now. I've been coaching girls long enough to know that if you, do, if you don't do this, girls' softball dreams literally get crushed on both sides of the spectrum. The girl that was bullied on and off the field by her softball, quote unquote, softball sister, okay, has a higher chance of just walking away. And the girl who was the bully 
might end up being the best player in the state by her senior year, get all these offers for college, but ultimately she just decides to uh, walk away from the sport because it's not fun anymore. Exactly. Why the girl who was picked on starting at age 10 and 12 years of age, all because you weren't allowing yourself to own your position in their lives as their coach and calling the high performers to greatness by pushing them to identify what their intangibles are and allowing everyone, including everyone on the team, in this mind-blowing opportunity to actually get to play a sport that they love all while seeing their softball sisters on and off the field and continuing to have fun. Oh my gosh, that was the longest sentence of my life. But do you see how by not getting in there at that 10 to 12 year old gap and enforcing team expectations literally sends these girls down this, this path of despair. Like I know to some you're like, oh, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, I bet you coached a lot of boys in your life. For all the softball coaches that coach boys and you continue to coach girls the way you coach boys, I guarantee you this is your trend. You have a handful of low-key bullies on your team and you don't think there's a problem. There is a problem. All right? We as female athletes, everything is on emotion. Even the ones that are like the biggest tomboys on the team. They might be as strong as the next boy, but they too are into how they feel. And if they are not feeling good on that day, they might lash out. That is your place as the coach to be like, hey kid, if you can only give me 65 today because maybe you didn't do too well on your test today, I can respect that, but I need all of your 65. But one thing I will not accept on my team is you taking your self failure out on your teammates. This is supposed to be fun. We have to protect our peace. This is our happy place. Bottom line. Side note, coaches, if you need help with this, I am here to help. I am here to help you work through these adverse moments. I don't want them to break you, right? I want them to build you, to mold you, to be the coach that you aspire to be, to be the coach that maybe you needed in your life or maybe the coach that you want to be. It's as simple as being the teammate that you want, right? Keep it simple. So with that, I know this is a lot of info. So in closing, I'm going to keep it simple. I wanna encourage you as a coach to go get the parents you want first. Then watch the kiddo play in good moments and bad ones. When you do this, know it takes longer. Know this. Know that it takes longer in creating that winning team but truth is, if you have made it this far in this podcast episode, you already know that it takes a long time to acquire the team you want, right? You have to learn to lose in order to learn to win. It's a crazy concept, but if you get it, you my people, right? When you do this, you're going to start acquiring more wins overall, on and off the field, you and your girls will obtain together, all while continuing to build the team culture that you knew you all, yourself, parents, and athletes were able to come together and build. Hashtag teamwork makes the dream work. 
so true. So just remember, team culture, it goes way past the athlete. It goes past the team. It goes into who the parents are. It goes in who the coaches are and how coaches are dealing with adversity. This is your opportunity to identify where you can get better. It's as simple as that. It's not an opportunity to give yourself a pity party. No, if at any point in this episode, you felt conflicted, write it down, reach out to one of your coach mentors. If you do not have a coach mentor, please message me. I am here to help, right? Reach out, see what you can do to get better. Athletes, if you wanna practice that conversation with your coach, I'm here to help you too. Parents, if you're having a tough time understanding what you truly are capable of doing as a parent on your daughter's softball team, reach out to me. I have experienced some amazing parents on the teams that I have coached. And with that, I have experienced some really bad parents. I've had both sides of that spectrum. So I'm here to help you. I hope you guys have had a wonderful day. And as always, I appreciate you all for listening and God bless.